Welcome to the Collective Church podcast. For more information, visit thecollectivechurch.co.za. Last week I spoke about the fact that we can't escape his presence, and sometimes that feels far away. It feels like, oh, it's a stretch, but you just realize in moments like this that he's so close. It's like there's like an electricity in the room. It's it's just literally the vibration and the the atmosphere of heaven is in this place and just that we get to take this it's not just for these moments it's not just for these moments that we get to all the 24-7 worship times we get to take this wherever we go it's like a mission actually to take it wherever we go sure thank you guys that was such a beautiful time today <laughs> all the people on the left <laughs> what was that a wet bamboogie um, yo uh, I have such great expectation for today I really am so filled with what the what the Lord's doing I think as I said I don't think we can underestimate what happens in a moment like that when you just overcome with his presence, what that kind of shift can do in your, in your life. I really want to encourage you, if you haven't been here over the last few weeks, or if you only get to come here and there sporadically, go and download the podcasts and see what the Lord is saying, because it's not about our individual lives, it is, but it's also about our communal lives and what the Lord is speaking to us as a body. And when individual people in the community hear things and it's echoed by someone else, there's a momentum that gets built in terms of what the Lord is doing. Um, and this is our home, just to, to be part of that thing that the Lord is doing and hearing what he's saying and keeping and holding that in your heart and having expectation that he will do more along those lines. And I just feel like the Holy Spirit has been setting us up for a long time now, but specifically over the last couple of weeks, um, through the preachers that have been happening, there's been these, like if you just take one of these preachers and that becomes real to you, just one of them, the impact that has to completely, completely transform your life. And so that's why I'm encouraging us, just like off of certain preachers, go, by, go home, spend time, let that seed germinate in your heart so that it can actually bear fruit. Otherwise, it's like great things that we're just taking just surface level versus allowing it to actually stir up and bear fruit and actually stir up in our lives. And yeah, I feel like the Lord's been setting us up over the last number of weeks. I and mean, I'm just looking, I've gone back over just the last sort of four or five weeks of, of preachers. Um, salvation, joy, and practicing the presence of God. 
If we get to understand that and we get to in every moment of every day be in a position where we are just enjoying his overwhelming presence. Like the Brother Lawrence thing where he has to contain himself. Sometimes it's like that. There's like the Lord, you have to actually contain yourself because the Lord will, you know, it might just be like tears and a mess. But if we get to experience that kind of moment in our everyday life, um, Kirsty preaching on the friendship with the Holy Spirit. I mean, friendship, if, it, if you truly become friends with the Holy Spirit, the impact that that has to transform us to being led by the Holy Spirit, being dependent in Him, as she said, like wearing our dependency on the Holy Spirit like a badge of honor. It's not a mark of shame to be dependent and to be needed. No, it's our badge of honor because that empowers us. What about Jacques' what if preach? You know, what if everything that is written in the gospel is true? If you had to just park there for a while, what would the transformation be around you living with that revelation? Last week, you cannot escape his presence. I had that picture of almost sealing up all the doors and windows and filling this like a, like a fish tank full with water, just swimming. You can't escape his presence. That's how close he is. If we live with that revelation, do you see the building of what Holy Spirit is doing, getting us into a place of dependency on him, hearing from him, not routine, not religion, but actually hearing what he's about to do. And then a couple of pictures that popped out um, for me. Firstly, Kirsty's picture last week of the polio braces, you know, that were suddenly, we like, almost like, is that, is it Billy Elliot that kicks them off? Anyway, it wasn't that. Forrest Gump, yes, Forrest Gump, sorry. Kicks those things off and actually just starts running. You realize the Holy Spirit is showing, no, no, we don't need, we're better off than what we thought. You're actually healthy and whole and you're ready to run. Each and every one of us are ready to run. (laughs) Sean's dream of being on stage. This is a nighttime dream. Kirsty's got a picture. Sean has a nighttime dream of being on stage and like ready to like play. And there's this big crowd. I'll paraphrase, but what I got from it. And then sud- and like nothing's working. Nothing's working, but like one strum of the guitar. And just like peop- the Holy Spirit moves through and just disrupts, you know. It's just like letting go of like our performance and what we are doing. And let the Holy Spirit just come in and disrupt. Are you ready for disruption? Friends, the Holy Spirit is stirring up something new. He's stirring up the living waters that are resident in each and every single one of us. He's stirring them up. And he's been speaking through many of this community, pictures, words, dreams. It's not just from one. And announcing that a disruption is about to happen. There's a new move of the Spirit that is about to break out. And not sitting, not announcing in a way like we get to sit back with popcorn. I think the kids have got popcorn upstairs because I smelled it being made earlier. (laughs) But like we just sit back with popcorn like it's going to happen anyway. It doesn't just happen anyway, right? I feel like he's enticing us into what's coming. It's like a wetting of our appetites through these things. Wetting, wetting our appetites, getting us hungry. Waiting for us to respond. And raising our expectation. I 
I just found myself over the last week, that song, um, almost one other thing. Auntie, take it away. Let your hopes, what, what is that song? Let your, get your hopes up. Yeah. Yeah. Let your faith arise. I just like I've been singing that this whole last week. It's like, get your hopes up. He's stirring something up. Let's get our hopes up. Not just be sitting back idle, right? It feels like, and I know Kirsty's been saying it, it's like there's something of an Acts-type church expression that's being stirred up again. And I think when our hearts are open like the believers in Acts, what happened when they were waiting just after Pentecost? Acts 2, verse 1. On the day, of Pen- the day Pentecost was being fulfilled, all the disciples were gathered in one place. Suddenly, they heard the sound of a violent blast of wind rushing into the house out of the heavenly realm. It's like a house like this probably, hey? The roar of the wind was so overpowering, it was all anyone could do to bear, to bear it. I mean, I've been in meetings sometimes where there's been, there's no thing and suddenly a wind blows through. We were in Australia in um, Finney and Izzy's church and the guy was like, there was stuff happening and it was just like, blow Lord and there was like a wind that went through but it was like did someone maybe open the door you know this time it was all anyone could do can you imagine it's like you could hardly bear it the wind is so loud and intense that's when God invades and you know it's him it's not just like a subtle a subtle feeling and it's that's being stirred up then all at once a pillar of fire appeared before their eyes they saw it It separated into tongues of fire that engulfed each one of them. They were all filled and equipped with the Holy Spirit and were inspired to speak in tongues, empowered by the Spirit to speak in languages they had never learned. So they were open, they were expectant, they were gathering together. We need to gather together like this. It's so important. Because that opens the way for the Holy Spirit to blow through. So friends, I think we are getting ready for a massive outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Can you feel it coming? Can you feel a stirring of what the Lord is doing? So I wanted to ask you, like, what is your expectation? Do you have an expectation? And so that's, I'm tight, when I'm going through it, I just wanted to raise our hopes, raise expectation. And so the title I thought of for my preach today was Great Expectations. Let's have great expectations. So obviously that the, the name of uh, Charles Dickens, it is Charles Dickens, right? Yeah. Uh, his book, Great Expectations, which I haven't read. So I thought, oh boy, if I'm going to call this Great Expectations, I better go and, and then I like, I thought, oh, maybe I'll get the audio book. And then I've done, I was like, oh, 19 hours, no. <laughs> That's not going to happen before Sunday, you know? Um, sorry? Yeah, exactly. Summary version. So Google is great. So this might not translate all the way through, and for those of you who are literary scholars, forgive me if everything doesn't translate through, but basically the the plot of Great Expectations, it's about a a young guy called Pip, and um, he's an orphan that is um, welcomed in by a blacksmith family in a small town, and he suddenly comes into a large fortune from a mysterious benefactor, 
and um, moves to London where he enters higher society. So I just like, I read that and I love that, you know. Isn't that, doesn't that ring true? Us having been orphans, coming into a large fortune by a mysterious benefactor, <laughs> except our benefactor isn't that mysterious, is he? Ephesians 3 tells us that this mystery has now been revealed. He's not far off, he's not mysterious. Unfortunately, it doesn't, I, think, I don't think it turns out too well for Pip because his great expectation was uh, based on, on money, advancement, and social class. And so that was his great expectation. And I think the whole moral of the, and plot of the story is him finding that he can't find, he can't put his great expectation in those things, but it's, um, it's affection, loyalty, and conscious, a, a conscience that are more important than social advancement, wealth, and class. But it's different for us, isn't it? Because we are, are tapped into a different wealth. We can have our great expectation. It's not wealth. It's based on the truth of Jesus. And that is love. And he's calling us into a life filled with love and glory. And so I think with boldness, can I say legally, we get to, we can legally say that is our great expectation. Pip couldn't do that with his great expectation was wealth out of this pauperdom in the small town. That was his great expectation. We've got this great expectation that we can, we can hook something of, of substance onto. And I think that is to see heaven manifest onto earth. You know? And when we, in that place, we get to focus in on everything that is good and pure and true and noble, that can be our expectation. And then we start to see heaven manifest around us. I love that Philippians 4. I'll read from the Amplified. It says, Finally, believers, what is, whatever is true, whatever is honorable and worthy of respect, whatever is right and confirmed by God's word, whatever is pure and wholesome, whatever is lovely and brings peace, whatever is admirable and of good repute, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think continually on these things. And then it goes on in brackets to say, center your mind on them and implant them in your heart. Don't you love that? Center your mind on them and implant them on your heart. That speaks to me of expectation and intentionality. Those all always have to go together. Expectation and intentionality. And so what are you actively expecting to break out in your life right now? Take a moment and just what are you... Have you ever allowed your imagination to go wild? Just use your imagination to see what the Holy Spirit wants to break out in your life. Because an imagination is a God-given thing. right? I love um, Ephesians 1 verse 18 says... I pray that the light of God will illuminate the eyes of your imagination, flooding you with light until you experience the full revelation of the hope of his calling, which is what? That is the wealth of God's glorious inheritances that he finds in us, his holy ones. So life is about unpacking the wealth of God's glorious inheritances that he finds in us. That's what we get to do. Isn't this amazing quote? 
Imagination is the beginning of dreaming. Dreaming births expectation, and expectation births reality. Imagination is the beginning of dreaming. Dreaming births expectation, and expectation births reality. We need to be expectant if we're going to see things become real around us. That's not going to just happen. What dreams or promises do you have in your life at the moment that you're expecting to see become a reality around you at the moment? Are they small expectations or are they great expectations? So I love looking up definitions. So the adjective of great is an intensity considerably above average. An expectation, a strong belief that something will happen. Okay, so what considerably above average intense expectation do you have? That the Holy Spirit is actually going to be poured out in your life. And that you will see heaven manifest in your lives. Now that not in general, that you will see heaven manifest specifically into specific areas of your life. Now, there's a saying that you get what you go after, right? And Proverbs uh, 23 verse 7 says, For as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. What we go after, we get. It's like we draw things out of, out of heaven. And so basically what that's saying is whatever your expectation is, that's what will happen, Right? It's the level of what you will get to experience. And I paraphrase Bill Johnson, because I don't know if he said it exactly like this, but he says something along the lines of any area in your life when you are not, where you are not actively expecting God's goodness to break out, so any area, you're most, li- most likely living with a stronghold in that area. And so I just like that. I don't know if he puts the word actively, but actively experiencing God's goodness to break out. Actively, the adverb of that is in a deliberate and positive way, in an energetic and vigorous way. So what are you deliberately, in a positive way, with energy and vigor, with a considerably above average intense expectation, (laughs) expecting to see break around you. You see, if I'm not expecting God's goodness to break out in a particular area of my life, I'm believing a lie. And that's what a stronghold is. It's agreeing and partnering with a lie. And so I think by default, we all have expectations. Okay? Even if you're not thinking of it, thinking about it or not, you're either thinking something good, good is going to happen or you're thinking something bad is going to happen. So if I had to say to you, what, would your, what does your work look like or your finances two months from now? Something pops into your mind first. You've got a default. It's either, it's either fear, I would suggest, or hope. You've either got a hopeful expectation, oh, no, I think it's going to be good, or it can be fear. Either is good. Both are an invitation into encounter with Jesus. You know, fear, we're not going to stay there. 
but it's an invitation. And so if we want our defaults to be God's goodness, we need to be active about it because there's no shortcuts to that. Um, There's a book T.D. Jakes wrote, I think it's called Saul, where he talks about, I don't know if it was that or in his book or in an interview I watched of his, but he's talking about how he's like, you have to stare at your life. It's like, you don't just go on autopilot. You need, he's like, you stop and stare. He's like, he takes time out regularly, but you know, particularly I think once a year with his wife, they go away and they stare at various aspects of their life. They're not just doing it, oh, it's family, it's ministry, it's work, it's this, it's friendships, you know, and like, oh, random. No, no, it takes time to stop and to stare. And I, I just, I love that intentionality. And uh, it's something that we've been wanting to do for years. I think we might have mentioned at the end of last year, we started that process of just like in November, and we'd like to do it again this November, is just to go away. We only did a night last time, but maybe like two nights and just plan, like look at it. Like, oh, what about our marriage? What about our, our kids? What about our businesses? What about our, the church? What about our friendships? And actually have a vision and learn to be intentional and stare at these different parts of our lives. You see, because we can't have an expectation of God's goodness to break out in our lives if we're going on autopilot. Just going through the week like a steam train, and that's so easy to do. Like, honestly, I've had the busiest week this last week. You can just hit autopilot and not be intentional and not think about anything. How many people do you see at the moment? It's like, sure, it's August already. You know, life just shooting by. And it either happens to us or we intentionally pursue, right? That's why I love the title of Ant's blog, The Beautiful Pursuit. You know, she could just as easily have called it The Beautiful Life, right? Because it's a beautiful life that we get to live. But The Beautiful Pursuit, because we are pursuing this thing. We need to be active in our pursuit if we're going to receive what the Lord has in plan in, in store for us. Friends, the riches of heaven are waiting to break out all around us in every area of our lives. And we need to take time out and stop and stare and ask Holy Spirit, what do you want to do in this area of my life? This one, this one. Because I believe we're either approaching life with a language of fear or a language of hope. Because deep in our heart, all of us long for the goodness of God to break out. But when our language is fear, things don't play out so well. Right? What we speak out doesn't translate into what we're wanting to see. So we need to change our language. You know, last week I, I told you sometimes I, when I'm running, I'll dictate uh, spe- speech to text you know, um, just to get, get thoughts down. And it came up with that intimate connection was actually translated internet connection for those of you that were missing here. So, yeah, so that was anyway a story from last week. And so this week, a similar thing happened, but I'm running and I'm like dictating notes and I'm like, this thing's just not working again. You know, what is happening? And then I realized, oh, Jude, I think on Sunday night or whenever it was, Monday, changed my Siri dictation from 
South African English to Australian. <laughs> so nothing's working, right? And so what I spoke out didn't translate into what I saw in front of me. Okay? And I think when we use language of the Holy Spirit, when we speak out truth and what's on the Father's heart, what we speak out translates into what we see in front of us. And so we need to use that language that reverberates with the truth of heaven. I love Jesus when he's talking about John the Baptist and he's saying to the, when he's speaking about him, he's like, and he's speaking to the crowd, he's like, what did you come out to see? There was like, there's expectation. He's like, what did you expect? Because that's what you're going to draw out, right? Like, what did you expect to see? Uh, Luke seven twenty four. Jesus spoke about John to the audience crowded around him saying, what kind of a man did you expect to see out in the wilderness? Did you expect to see a man who would be easily influenced and shaken by the shifting opinions of others? Who did you really go there to see? Did you expect to see a man decked out in the splendid fashion of the day? Jumping forward. Or did you discover a true prophet out in the lonely wilderness? Yes, John was a legitimate prophet. And then later on, he goes on to say, throughout history, there was never found a man as great as John the baptizer. Yet those who now walk in God's kingdom realm, though they appear to be insignificant, will be even greater than he. So we are now in God's kingdom realm. Saying, I mean, Sean spoke about this a while back. We are greater than John the Baptist. But this whole verse is about expectation. It's like, what are you expecting to see? You see, it's like raising, raising people's expectations. Those that expected to find a true prophet in the desert found a true prophet. Those who were expecting to find a fraud or find something else, they just closed off. They just didn't find anything. Went home afterwards. And so why is it when we're expectant, when we travel to a place like Bethel, where we spend lots of money to get there, um, or we, um, we go on a mission trip for example, you're going with such a heightened expectation. What happens? You see stuff happen, right? If you've ever gone and stepped out and gone to like Joburg Jen to pray for the, the sick to be healed, or when you step out and you ask and there's an expectation, what happens? It happens, you know? And things happen around us. You see, I think what we decide to go after in our hearts that lines up with the truth of God most likely we'll experience it. Now, obviously, there's a tension between us <coughs> deciding and making choices, this divine tension, us asking the Lord, and then the Lord pouring out his blessing. But I think when we don't have any expectation, what do you think happens? Nothing, right? And so I want to ask us, like, what expectation did you come with to church this morning? Often it's not like, not really, it's just routine. Oh, it's Sunday morning. But you come with an expectation of the Holy Spirit to like blow through this place and completely transform and wreck us. You see the difference of how we position ourselves, of what we can experience of the riches of heaven or what we just get to kind of autopilot. Miss that. Miss John in the desert. Oh well. Just, you know, carry on being a, just missing the great revelation of Jesus, the great riches of heaven that he's opening to us. We can just miss it. 
It's not a heavy. This is an invitation. He's whetting our appetites. I just felt like instead of just coming spectator, just allow the Holy Spirit. You come with like a buzz, an excitement in your spirit. Allowing the Holy Spirit to come and stir those living waters that are risen, like the pool at Bethesda, you know, come and stir those waters that would not only then be for your benefit first and for your pleasure, but then for the healing of the nations. This is not just about us, is it? That gets stirred up so that there would be a healing for the nations. And I think that starts with desire, asking, expectation, with a strong belief that something's going to happen. So I wanted to just, again, with your imaginations, just use your imagination and ask yourself, like, what would it be like if the Holy Spirit broke out at your work? Whatever that looks like for you, your work. It might just be at home, whatever, you know. What would it look like for you if the Holy Spirit broke out there? Would it look like a crazy revival meeting? Like, what's in your mind? These things conjure up thoughts, you know. Maybe that's like, maybe that pops up, you know, maybe that's a bit crazy, it's a little bit scary, so, you know, I'm not going to ask for that, if that's your expectation. But what about if it's bringing peace in chaos? Does that, that sounds like heaven, right? That there would be, in, when there's chaos happening around you, I'm busy opening a new motherland shop at the moment, and there's contractors, and they, you know, bolted in the wall frame skew, and there's chaos, and there's like, 20 people in a site in a space like this, you know, like what happens if you can usher in peace and not flip out like the other contractor who's flicking his supplier because he got the steel table 150 mils too high, you know, that's what's going down. Like what happens if you could bring peace into those environments? What happens if you had to bring love where there's conflict, you know, or, you know, somebody responds badly? Love and forgiveness. Does that not sound like the Holy Spirit breaking out? Um, and I don't want to diminish like crazy revival meeting. This needs to translate into salvations. That needs to be a massive part of our expectation. But what does it look like if Jesus had to come and work in your workplace? What happens if Jesus was alive as a man on the earth today and had to come and join, just imagine him physically in your space of influence, your work. What kind of, what kind of job do you think he would do you know, if he wasn't a carpenter? Now you might in that time say, no, well, Jesus wouldn't come and do what I'm doing. Like I'm just doing, this is too ordinary. I can't, you can't relate. No, no, that's exactly what he would do. There's nothing spiritual about being a carpenter. He was doing a job, you know. How would he, how would it influence you? I think those guys with the W, what would Jesus do basis? Although we like mocked them for a while and it got a bit like grew a beard, it's like in terms of you know, from the 80s or whenever it was, it's like then there's something really right in that. There's like what would Jesus do if he was in my business? How would he be, how would he manage the space? How would he? And that's what we need to, we need to get very practical about this. It's not about a tingly feeling on a Sunday morning where we get to experience his presence. No, no, this really hits, the rubber hits the road when the shelf is going up skew, you know? And it's not just being like, oh, nicer than Jesus. No, no, the power and the riches of heaven, how does that get 
administered into your accounting role, your marketing role, your whatever role that is that you are involved in. And so, yeah, just like, what would your expectation be if Jesus was preaching today? Like, would you be on the edge of your seat, like every word waiting to receive from him? Because when you are in that mode, you receive and he transforms and you, you receive a prophet's reward when you receive a prophet, right? And yo, how, how are we going for time? Can somebody give me the time? 22. Five minutes. I just feel like the Holy Spirit, just to come back to the invitation of inviting us to be part of what he's doing. Um, it's, such a, it's a love invitation. I, I want to read out of um, Song of Songs. Listen to if the Holy Spirit's saying this to you. Can you not discern this new day of destiny breaking forth around you? The early signs of my purposes and plans are bursting forth. The budding vines of new life are now blooming everywhere. The fragrance of their flowers whispers. There is change in the air. Arise, my love, my beautiful companion, and run with me to the higher place. For now is the time to arise and come away with me. There's an ease about how we get to walk out this kingdom from a place of love, a place of invitation, and a place of intimacy, right? And this part, uh, that was Song of Songs 2 verse 13, just Song of Songs 7 verse 12 radically impacted the way I approach my life and my expectation of what it looks like Monday morning, you know, when things get busy. And it's, it's this, it says, let us go out early to the vineyards and see whether the vines have budded whether the grape blossoms have opened and whether the pomegranates are in bloom, there I will give you my love, right? So our privilege is to go out every day into the world, in our families, when we wake up, where we're making coffee for our wife, whatever it might be. Our privilege is to go out and say like, Jesus, what is in bloom today? Can you show me what is budding, what is in bloom it's not about getting into the hard work of the vineyard. Yes, we work hard, but we work hard as lovers. It's like, it's not whatever, like I'm just gonna go and clap it tomorrow. It's, it's Jesus, what is blooming around me? That approach changed everything. It's like, that's the invitation from the father. This is the father and, um, oh, sorry, for the bride and the groom, it's Jesus to us in Song of Solomon. Let us go out early together. That's how we get to go out, side by side, and see these things birthed around before us. And so I, I really feel like it's the invitation, like, like a groom to the bride, to be able to respond with passion, not duty. I remember almost now 22 years ago, and it feels like as fresh as yesterday, the moment I proposed to Kirsty. <laughs> we were in Umschlange, and... I didn't get the opportunity to even ask the question because the response was so passionate <laughs> and inspiring. I mean, I literally, I like, 
I, I don't know if I, I think I bent down, opened a, a ring, Kirsty saw the ring and just screamed. So, she, so after all the screaming was done and dusted, she's like, no, you have to ask me again, I didn't hear. <laughs> you know? That's the response of a heart. It's not a religious duty. Imagine it's like, oh, I don't know. Let me, let me think about it. Um, you know, it's like, okay, yeah, when you're ready and you've thought about it, come back. No, the invitation is out to us today to respond as lovers. Like, yes, Jesus. But, not but, 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 whatever must I do. No, no, just respond. And he will take care of everything after that. And so, we have to be very practical about how we approach this. It can't be a fuzzy feeling on a Sunday, like I said. We need to adjust tomorrow morning. When you go home just now, what does it look like? And so that takes intentionality. And so I wanted to, I'm not going to do the exercise now, but I want to hand it out. Would you guys mind handing out those, those things? I just, I like to bring it into a practical thing, because otherwise literally we can say, oh, nice word. We go home, and you know what? You're putting up a lot of shelves tomorrow again, that need to go up. That's just very demanding. Let's not be weird about it. So I'm saying it's, it's like life is busy. There's work to be done. There's whatever that is that you are. We all know that, you know, but we need to, we need to take time. And so I just want to do this as a, um, as a prompt. Um, can I grab one? So just to jump down to the, that, that first question is, what's the first emotion you feel, fear or hope, when you think of? And I've put a couple of areas there. You might want to put other things down as you go away. And like literally, can I urge you to do this as an exercise at home? Is to like, just the first thing, not, it doesn't have to be the right feeling, you know? That, uh, it mustn't be, yeah, hope, 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 <laughs> on all of these things like that. Be real. Like, what is the first thing? Because we all have areas that need more move towards all hope, 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 right? But that's not the reality always. And so just, I just want to do that just as a, like a bit of a catalyst to realize, like, oh, my word. You might be on autopilot at the moment. You might realize, like, hey, man, I really have no hope for my work, for my financial situation, for my relationship with so-and-so, with my... Whatever it might be, you know, be personal about this. And, and then the invitation is to go and ask Holy Spirit below that. It's like, what do you see in those areas where you put fear or you don't actually have a hope to break out? Like, go and take time. And these, this isn't wide enough. I didn't, this is obviously very small. It's just a prompt. But ask Holy Spirit to come in and show you how does the Holy Spirit see that particular area of your life? And I, how does, what, do you, what is your expectation for church as a gathering? Let's not make this purely personal. Let's make it communal. Like, when you think of that, what is your expectation? No, not much, you know. Or, because so, might, that might not be fear or hope. It might just be, it could be just indifference. Oh, I don't really think about that, maybe, you know. Um, so this is not a full, comprehensive exercise, but it's just a starting 
to begin to teach us to ask these kind of questions. And allow the Holy Spirit to give you his view, his dreams and purposes of what he's calling us into. Because, guys, only when we do this communally, only when we're all in one place gathered, the disciples had said, the Holy Spirit has complete freedom to reign. Good. Thank you for listening. For more information, visit thecollectivechurch.co.za.